Amen. While we are in Leviticus, uh, we are in chapter 11. And as we go through, uh, through the book of Leviticus, it's, uh, it's, just, been, uh, it's just been a blessing as, uh, as the Lord is speaking to all of us and uh, sharing His Word to us and sharing what He gave to the priest, to the priest there in, uh, in the days of, uh, of, of Moses as they left Egypt. Uh, and so, you know, the Lord's been revealing much truth to all of us. I do want to talk today about, about how people know that, that we are Christians. You know, many of us always say, you know, or you meet people that say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. You know what, I, I, yes, I'm a Christian, I, I believe in the Lord. You know, when we talk about being Christians, we need to consider exactly what the meaning of that is. See, because to be a Christian means to be Christ-like. And to be Christ-like means that we got to do as Christ says, as Christ was. And, you know, as we hear many people saying that they are Christians, but we know by their conduct, it usually tells us if they are. See, many people will tell me, oh, you know what, I'm a believer, right? I'm a Christian. But when I talk to them and when I see them, you know what, their actions don't confirm it. And it's not that I'm a sin sniffer or trying to see them in their sins or, or, or trying to judge them or anything like that. It's just, you know what, their conduct, it's just, it's just there. And, and their words that they speak, it just reflects exactly who they are. And today, today the Lord is going to reveal to us the dietary laws, the dietary foods that He gave to the Israelites. And many of us are saying, you know what, but these dietary laws, I mean, what is that, what is that to me? I mean, what does that mean to me? Is, it doesn't apply to me. I mean, some of these things that they should and shouldn't eat. But what we always see from God's Word is the many lessons that apply to us. The many lessons that we are to learn from these things. See, He gave them these laws and these foods to reveal to them what is clean and unclean. And sometimes we think to ourselves, well, why would God restrict them from eating all the foods that, you know, that, that the Lord has made, all the animals and the fish and the, and the things that are out there? Why is there restrictions? You know, some people say, you know what, the Lord is mean. You know, He doesn't want them to enjoy food, right? But that's not the case. You know, there were health reasons as to why the Lord told them, prohibited them, restricted them from eating some foods. And we know that, you know what, that some of the foods that He told them not to eat, there was a reason for that. But I believe, most importantly, the reason why they couldn't eat certain food is because the Lord wanted to set them apart. And the only way to set them apart was by their conduct, right? See, this is a message today is, do people know that we are Christians? And how do they know that we are Christians? It's by our conduct. See, the Lord wants us to be set apart. He wants us to be the salt and the light. He wants us to be different than the world. 
We see how the world is today, right? You, you met people today that were rude, right? People that were mean to you. People that said things that they shouldn't say, right? People cut you off or cut in line and people said maybe mean things to you. But see, for the Christian, we're God's chosen people and we are to be different. See, the world knows that we're different. They're going to know by our actions. See, we are to do as God has said we should do. See, and the same thing is for the Israelites, right? He told them what food to eat and what not to eat. And what would keep them clean and what would make them pleasing to the Lord. For us as Christians, you know, for you and I, you know, what, what does the word have to say about being clean and holy and righteous? I'm going to read to you from 1 Peter. And if you like, you could turn there. It's in 1 Peter chapter 1. And I'm going to read to you from verse 13. In 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 13. It says, Therefore gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You know what he's trying to say when he says there, he says, gird up the loins. What he's trying to say is gather your thoughts, collect your thoughts, cover up, get ready, put your thoughts together. May they be sober and, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You know, for us that have surrendered our lives to the Lord, you know what? The Lord has revealed Himself to us, hasn't He? Hasn't He revealed who He is as, as we've received Him, as He's come into our hearts and our lives have been transformed as we surrendered ourselves to Him? But it goes on to say in verse 14, it says, As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust, as in your ignorance, you know, as he talked about the revelation of Jesus Christ. You know, for us, I mentioned as Christians, we've, we've experienced them. You know, as he told Thomas, blessed is the one who believes and yet hasn't seen, right? But what he's talking about here at the revelation is the Lord's second coming. You know what? We are to gird up our mind, to, to, to allow our mind to, to you know, to have to pulling our thoughts together, to gathering them on what is right and what is good. And he goes on to say, as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust. You know what? Before you became a Christian, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh. You know, this is what reigned in a lot of our hearts, didn't it? And yet this isn't what the Lord wants us to go after. What He wants from us is what He says in verse 15. He says, But as He who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. In all your conduct. And what He means in all, He means all, right? It's not just in, in some things. He's talking about all your conduct. How do people know you're Christians? By your conduct. 
How can we bring people to the Lord by our conduct? He says, because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. The Lord has bought you with His blood. He has redeemed you from the penalty of sin. You know, for all the evil thoughts, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, you know, for all our bad conduct, we deserve punishment for that. But the Lord paid it with His blood. He said, you know what, I'm going to take the penalty that you deserve. And the only way for you to, to receive this redemption is by believing in that, receiving me, receiving the penalty that I paid for you. And as far as Christians are concerned, you know, he wants others to see, to see who we belong to. Go to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse, verse 9. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, and we've been reading this scripture, it says there, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. All of us, before Jesus Christ, before surrendering our lives, we live in darkness, and He called us out of darkness. That's amazing. He takes us out of the darkness. As we know in heaven, there is no darkness. There is no shadows because the glory of God lights up heaven. And that same glory that lights up heaven is what lights us up. There is no more darkness in us. It doesn't rain. We've been set free by Jesus Christ. We're no longer in chains, in bondage to sin. It says in verse 10, Who were once not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy every single one of us. We are now the people of God that come to faith. Through faith in Jesus Christ, we become His people, and we receive the mercies of God. In verse 11 it says, Beloved, I beg you, as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. And here he talks about the battle between the flesh and the spirit, that which is of God. It says, verse 12, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. See, it is by our conduct that others can see God. As Christians, you know, it is by what we do that others can come to know that there is a living God. See, our conduct has a greater message than our words. How many of you have heard the phrase, talk is cheap, isn't it? Isn't talk cheap? I mean, anybody can tell you all these things and not do them. We have many politicians like that, don't we? 
They tell you all these things they're going to do, and have they done any of it? Making empty promises. I mean, we can all sell a bill of goods, right? But when it comes to our conduct, when it comes to our actions, they speak loud and clear. And this is what the Lord wants to remind us today of. Do your actions speak loud and clear that you are a Christian? That you are a little Christ, that you are an imitator of Christ? Can they say that? See, let me share this with you. When I came to know the Lord, see, I had people that would come and talk to me. I had family members. And I've shared this with you before. They would come and they would give me flyers to Christian concerts and to, to uh, crusades and outreaches. Or they leave little, you know, these little uh, 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 tracks. And you know what? And, and I knew who was doing it, right? I knew who would come and drop them off. I'd go in my mailbox one day and, and there'd be these invitations to these concerts at Calvary Chapel Montebello. And I knew who it was. And I'd be like, man, he keeps putting them there. I, I'm not going and I'm not going to go. And for a while, I'd be, I'd be mocking him and laughing at him. And I'd get irritated too. But see, I knew that as I kept seeing him, see, he wasn't the same anymore. He was the real deal. He was backing up exactly what he was preaching. And that's what ministered to me. That's what spoke to me. I said, you know what? He was just like me. Rotten. Wicked. Doing things that he shouldn't be doing. And yet, I see his life now. It's transformed. It's changed. And you know, he was one of the instruments that brought me to the Lord. And you have me before you today because of the work that he did. See, he's going to receive his rewards for sharing with me and the things that he, that he spoke to me about. Talking back about the laws, I want to I wanna share this with you. The dietary laws. Remember the, the foods that you can't eat and that you, that you should be eating. Do any of these laws apply to us? No. Okay, we're going to read about these, okay? But, but I want you to understand that these do not apply to us. They were all given to the Jewish nation. And the reason they were given to them is to make them ceremonially clean. See, for us as Christians, what dietary laws do we have? And it's important that I give, unto you, that I give this to you scripturally, okay? Because, again, I don't just want you to think that I say these things. I want you to know that these are from the Word of God. So do we, you know, what dietary laws do we have? I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians chapter 8. In verse 8. In 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Verse 8. And again, we're talking about food, right? We're talking about dietary laws. It says there, But food does not commend us to God. For neither if we eat are we the better, nor if we do not eat are we the worse. See, 
there is no dietary laws for us. As it says there, you know what? Eating, eating certain foods doesn't make you better or doesn't draw you closer to the Lord or not eating certain foods. You know, the other day we were at In-N-Out. You know, eating an animal-style hamburger. That doesn't mean that you're evil, okay? You know, just remember, you know, we can eat whatever, whatever we want. I mean, for health reasons, we shouldn't, right? But the food that we eat doesn't draw us closer to the Lord. It doesn't make us holy. What else does it say about food? Let's go to Colossians. Colossians chapter 2. In Colossians chapter 2, In verse 16, in verse 16 it says, So let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbath, which are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance is Christ. Let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding fast to the head with whom all the body, nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, grows with the increase that is from God. Therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourselves to regulations? Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which all concern things which perish with the using, according to the commandments and doctrines of men. These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false humility, and neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. So when you see somebody eating something, you can't go to them and tell them, you know what? When you eat that food, you're not going to go to heaven. See, we can't be judging people, right? There's no way, you know, many people that eat pork, right? We know that it's bad for you. And we know that the Jews didn't eat it. And there's some people that say, hey, Christians shouldn't be eating pork. But you know what? That's not for us. You know, the same thing with sushi, right? You know what? I love sushi. And you know what, the Jews, and we're going to read about that. You know what, the Jews couldn't eat sushi. I mean, they couldn't eat raw fish, anything. I mean, I'm sorry, they couldn't eat fish that had scales and fins, but anything else they couldn't eat. And so, you know what, when it comes to that, you know what, we, we can't judge anybody. You can't be pointing fingers. It says that here in God's Word. If you go back to 1 Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, in verse 25, it says that, it says there, Eat whatever is sold in the meat market, asking no questions for conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. 
If any of those who do not believe invite you to dinner and you desire to go eat whatever is set before you, asking no question for conscience sake. But if anyone says to you, this is offered to idols, do not eat it for the sake of the one who told you or for conscience sake, for the Lord, for the earth is the Lord's and its fullness. And then if you jump down to verse 31, it says, therefore, whatever you, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. See, what we're supposed to do as Christians is when you eat food, what the Lord wants you to do is He wants you to thank, to give thanks for it and to bless the food. Isn't that what the Lord did? Remember when He had the fish and the loaves and He fed 5,000 people? What did He do? He, he gave thanks, right, to, the, to, the, to His Father. And we are to do the same. He did that on the Last Supper, right? He gave thanks and he blessed the food. And we as Christians are to do the same. Before you eat a meal, you should be thanking the Lord, asking the Lord to bless it so that you don't get sick, so that the food can be cleansed, right? See, this is what the Lord wants from us. But as you can see here, you know what? Foods don't make you holy and don't judge anybody and all you got to do is bless it. And with that, we're going to begin in Leviticus. In Leviticus chapter 11. I mean, chapter 11, verse 1. It says, And now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying to them, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, These are the animals which you may eat among all the animals that are on the earth. Among the animals, whatever divides the hoof, having cloven hooves, and chewing the cud, that you may eat. So he says there, there has, he talks to Moses and Aaron right here. He's telling both of them, right? He's saying, you know what? There's animals that you can't eat. And the animals that you can eat, there's two requirements. One is it has to have cloven hooves. And the other one is those that chew the cud. Okay? What are cloven hooves? You know what? When you look at cattle, when you look at goats and sheep and deer... You see their legs and at the bottom they have cloven hooves. And those that chew the cud, what does that mean? You know, it is pretty disgusting, but I'm going to share what it is. And I think some of you know what it is. See, when, these, when the cattle, the cows, or some of these the goats or sheep or deer, the things that I mentioned, it is a portion of the food that returns from their stomach to chew a second time. So they regurgitate that food and they chew it. Did you know that a cow, he spends eight hours a day chewing? You know how many chews he does? He does an average of 30,000 chews of the same food. Imagine you chewing the food over and over again where the taste is completely gone from it. But the way they do it is they add saliva in there and I guess they make it tasty or whatever the case may be. But they can chew it over and over again. So the foods that they can eat had to have cloven hooves and the animals that chew the cud. Let's keep reading in verse 4. It says, nevertheless, these you shall not eat. Among those that chew the cud or those that have cloven hooves, a camel, 
because it chews a cud but does not have cloven hooves, is unclean to you. The rock, hyrax, because it chews a cud but does not have cloven hooves, is unclean to you. The hare, because it chews a cud but does not have cloven hooves, is unclean to you. And the swine, though it divides a hoof, having cloven hooves, yet does not chew the cud, is unclean to you. Their flesh you shall not eat, and their carcasses you shall not touch. They are unclean to you. So he has further instruction, right? He says, you know what? Don't be eating camels. You know what? Camels are good to take you on rides and all that stuff. They're good animals, but don't eat them. Just like the horses, right? You don't want to waste a good horse or a good mule, right? A donkey. So he says, you know what? They don't have cloven hooves, so you can't eat those. The rock hyrax, we believe that's the rock badger. You know, they're mammals, but they, they don't have cloven hooves, so you can't eat those. The hare. Remember the story of the hare and the turtle? Right? Is this a rabbit? You think to yourself, you know what? Rabbits, they don't chew the cud. They don't, you know, chew on it a second time. It appears that they do, but they don't do that. So we really don't know which animal they were referring to here, but we know that this hare that he refers to, they say, you can't eat it. He says, the pig, the pig does have cloven hooves, but it doesn't chew the cud. You've seen many pigs, right? The other day I was on the freeway and, man, some of these pigs are huge. I was looking in a truck and I guess they were getting ready to be slaughtered and for us to eat the pork, I don't know, but these things were big. Well, they, as we know, they don't chew the cud, so they're unclean animals and you're not supposed to eat them. And when these animals die, you can't be touching them. He says, once you touch them, you're unclean. See, and this is where the teaching becomes, right? What the Lord is trying to tell them. There's certain things that make you unclean. You know what? And these are the things that you are to stay away from. See, as people that are holy, what does holy mean? See, some people, you know, when they think to themselves, holy means somebody divine, right? Well, holy, what it means is to be set apart. It means to be set apart for God and for His work. See, not eating these foods was pleasing to the Lord. As they would not touch these things, as they would not eat these things. This is what was pleasing to the Lord. And when I talk about this, I want to share this with you. There are certain things that we are doing today, right? There are certain things that the Lord has spoke to us that we have heard, right? That we shouldn't be doing. And yet we're still doing them. You know, if the Lord has called us to be holy for He is holy, why do we do them? Why is it that our conduct goes after these, the lust of the flesh? To do these things that we shouldn't be doing that aren't pleasing to the Lord. And yet we do them anyways. I know that we all say, you know what, but the grace of God, you know what, it, it's awesome, right? I, because of God's grace, I can, I can still do these things. He's going to forgive me. Yes, He can. And yes, He will if you truly repent. But when you repent, you know what repent means? 
It means to acknowledge that you've sinned, right? It means to acknowledge, you know what? I've fallen short, Lord. I've messed up. But it means that after you acknowledge it, you're going to turn from it and you're not going to do it anymore. See, what good is if someone says, I'm sorry all the time, but they go back and do the same thing over and over and over again. Are they truly repentant? Did they truly, you know, is it true, a true heartfelt confession saying that they're sorry if they keep doing it over and over again? See, we are not to abuse the grace of God in the name of grace. See, grace gives us freedom. We know that. But it also subjects us to the one who extends it. And you may be wondering, what do I mean by that? See, the freedom in grace moves us to please the one who extended the grace. See, the one that gave you grace, the one that accepted you, even though you fell short and you shouldn't go to heaven because of your sin, of your mockery, of your wickedness, of all those guilt, those ugly things that are within you, you shouldn't go to heaven. You can't be in the presence of God who is pure and holy and has no sin. Light and darkness can't be together, but yet He accepts us because of the, His beloved. When we say yes to Jesus, we are accepted. And see, and so when He gives us the freedom to do, because see, as a Christian, we can do whatever we want, right? You and I can do as we want to do, but yet we don't do them. Because we want to show the Lord that we love Him. And as His Word says, if you love me, you will obey me. And see, and so what we do is we seek to please the one that extended His grace. As we keep reading in verse 9, it says, These you may eat of all that are in the water. Whatever in the water has fins and scales, whether in the seas or in the rivers, that you may eat. But all in the seas or in the rivers that do not have fins and scales, all that move in water or any living thing which is in the water, they are an abomination to you. They shall be an abomination to you. You shall not eat their flesh, but you shall regard their carcasses as an abomination. Abomination means to dislike it, to hate it. See, the Lord is saying, love the things that I want you to love, to eat, and hate the things that that I want you to hate. See, the fish, why is a fish very clean? Because he swims in the water, right? And he escapes as the water goes through him, what? The infections that are out there. But when it comes to shellfish, when it comes to eels, when it comes to catfish, right? They don't have fins and scales. And where are most of them? They're always on the ground, right? On the floor. The shellfish are what? The cockroaches of the sea, right? And what are they doing? They're eating all the filth that's in the bottom of the ocean. <coughs> See, when it comes to Jews, there are no sushi lovers. Because they can't eat this stuff. Orthodox Jews will keep the law. And they won't eat this stuff. But see, why is it that the Lord would tell them not to eat this stuff? Like the oysters, right? The shrimp, the lobsters. For those of you that haven't had dinner, I know you may be getting hungry. 
But see, when we think about these things, see, because they're at the bottom of the ocean, they take in all the toxins, right? All the filth. And they become infectious, right? They're poisonous. We get diseases. You can be, uh, have a, 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 a paralysis. See, but for us today, there's a way of cleaning them. And there's a way of cooking them. And so for us as people, we can do that. But at that time, they didn't have the nice factories, right? Or some of them that are homegrown, they didn't have those homegrown places where, where they're clean and, and prepped and, and made pretty and red and good for us, right? But at that time, they just, you know what? They couldn't do that. They didn't have the medicine that we have today. But he says, you know what? Hate these things because they're not good for you. They make you unclean. As we keep reading in verse 13, it says, And these you shall regard as an ab abomination among the birds. They shall not be eaten. They are an abomination. The eagle, the vulture, the buzzard, the kite, and the falcon after its kind, every raven after its kind. The ostrich, the short-eared owl, the seagull, and the hawk after its kind. The little owl, the fisher owl, and the screech owl, and the white owl, the jackdaw, and the carrion vulture, the stork, the heron after its kind, the hoopoe, and the bat. These are also abominations. Why would they be abominations? Why wouldn't the Lord want them to eat these things? Because these are birds of prey. What do they eat? They eat flesh, right? Anything that's out there, vultures, eagles, falcons, hawks, owls, all of those, they eat. Pray, they're out there. If there's something dead out there, guess what they're going to do? They're going to fly and grab their piece of meat all full of blood and all that and eat it. And what did the Lord say to us, to, to the Jews? He says, you know what? You don't eat anything that has blood. You never eat blood. And so these are a representation of uncleanliness, of unholiness, of things that, that, that you know, the Lord says to, to with, withdraw from it, to abominate it, to hate it. But the kite, I, you know, I, I saw that word kite and I looked it up and, you know, I was like, what is a kite? It's not nothing you fly, right? It's, what it is, it's, you know, they're small birds of the hawk family. The same thing with the jackdaw. That's actually from the crow family. And the uh, heron, they're long-legged, long-necked, long-billed birds, okay? And the hoopoe, that bird is called, it's an old-world bird. It's not, there's not really many of those. But these are the ones, as you can see, they're all, uh, they're all birds that go after flesh and blood. And, and so the Lord says, stay away from that. Let's keep reading in verse 20. All flying insects that creep on all floors shall be an ab abomination to you. Yet though these you may eat of every flying insect that creeps on all fours, those which have jointed legs above their feet with which to leap on the earth, these you may eat, the locust after its kind, the de destroying locust after its kind, the cricket after its kind, and the grasshopper after its kind. But all other flying insect insects which, you have four which have four feet, shall be an abomination to you. So flies. Stay away from flies, he says. 
Don't be eating flies. And we have a lot of flies, don't we? He says, but a butterflies, grasshopper, dragonflies, even fleas. These are all these insects. He says, but you know what? What you can eat is locusts, crickets, grasshoppers. You know, for us, I mean, the kids the other day, you know, in my yard, I had a big old grasshopper. Actually, there was a praying mantis. You ever seen a praying mantis? Yes, those are cool, aren't they? They're, they always look like they're praying. And I, and I told the kids, I told them the other day, there's somebody that, you know what? There's somebody praying on Car- at Carissa's window. That, somebody's been praying there for a, a long time. And they're like, who, Dad? Who's at my window? I said, go out and check them out. There's somebody there praying. And there was a praying mantis there at, uh, at Carissa's window. But the grasshoppers, I don't like grasshoppers. You know why? Because grasshoppers, they eat up your plants. I mean, they eat everything up. And at my, at my house the other day, because I wanted to show them the praying mantis, there was a grasshopper about that size. And so I said, look at the praying mantis. And they were looking at the grasshopper. And I got something and hit the grasshopper. Not that one. Look at this other one over there. But the grasshoppers, I want you to know something. For us, we don't cook them, right? But in the east, guess what they do to them? They roast them. And you know what I decided to do? Was to bring some roasted grasshoppers for you today. I'm kidding. (laughs) Lord, forgive me. I was only kidding. No roasted grasshoppers for anyone, okay? But I want you to know something. You know somebody that used to eat locusts? Locusts and wild honey. Anybody want to take a guess here? John the Baptist. Remember... His diet, his food was nothing but locust and wild honey. And you know what? I, this guy, I mean, he was something else. The Lord even said it. I mean, there's not another man like this man. And it wasn't because of the grasshoppers and locusts. It was because of his love for God. Remember, again, his conduct, right? Hey, it set him apart. Everyone knew John the Baptist, right? Everywhere he went, people knew who he was. They thought he was a Messiah because of what? Of his conduct, right? Because of the things that he did. He was a Christian and he could back it up. And how many of us can say, you know what? We're a Christian. And and, and hold your, your shoulders high and say it without any shame. I'm a Christian. You know what? That's where God wants us, right? He wants us to not be ashamed. You know what? There could be no accusation against us. Not even our enemies can have anything evil to say about you. He wants us to be Christians that back it up with our actions. Let's keep reading in verse 24. He says, By these you shall become unclean. Whoever touches a carcass of any of them shall be unclean until evening. Whoever carries part of the carcass of any of them shall wash his clothes and be unclean until evening. That you know that if you were to touch the carcass, which means what it, it's the dead animal, right? Whatever dead animal you touch, you know you became unclean. And it wasn't like you could go home and wash yourself and say, okay, I'm clean now. When you touched it, you know that you had to go outside of the camp and you had to wait there until sunset. You couldn't come in. You had to stay outside of the camp. And if you touched one in the morning or you stepped on one, that was it. You're out out of the camp. You have to stay out there. 
See, what happens is that dead carcasses, they're pretty dirty, right? And we know that there's much infection that comes from these things. And we know that there were no medical doctors at the time, right? It was just the people there just depending on God and, and His healing power. But see, symbolically, I want you to know one thing. If you're unclean, it spreads. See, what I mean by this is that, you know, when we sin, when we get into sin, right? I mean, when we're sinning, I mean, it, it's quick, isn't it? I mean, you fall into it and you're just, you know what, on a road that just destroys you, right? When you fall into whatever sin you may have, it's not like, you know what, like, you know what, that you can say, oh, you know what, I, I, I'm not sinning and I'm going to walk away from it. You know what, when you're involved in sin, it's just snowballs and, and you're on, headed for destruction. See, and sin can easily ensnare us and sin can easily come upon us. And especially if you're hanging out with other people that are sinning, I mean, what happens there? You start doing the things that they do, right? See, that's why God has created us as, as a family of believers. We're a family now. And His desire is that we would hang out with other believers. Because see, if you're not hanging out with believers, you're going to be doing exactly what they're doing, right? Isn't that the way we are as people? We're, you know, we're, we just become like one another. You know what, if you hang out with somebody that likes to say foul language, all of a sudden you catch yourself saying that, right? You know, if you start hanging around people that like to do drugs, guess what happens? You start trying it out, right? You know what, it's just, that's the way we are as people. We're just weak. You know, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is what? It's weak. And so sin quickly ensnares us. You know, the other day I was reading something, and they gave this analogy. You know what? For pizza lovers, right? Can you resist pizza when it comes into the house? Man, you smell that pizza, and what's the first thing you want? If you love pizza, you're going to go after it, right? You're going to say, you know what? I'll have one. You know what's the best $5 pizza? I just thought of it right now. Have you ever tasted pronto pizza? They make that with butter on it. It's bread with buttered pizza. I mean, it is like $5 and it is good. There's hardly, there's none around here. And why I'm talking about pronto pizza, I don't know. But, but when I smell that pronto pizza, <laughs> there's no way that I can't resist pronto pizza. See, that's the way we are as sinners though. You know what? If there's something that is your weakness... And you start hanging out in those places that do what your weakness is, guess what you start doing? You start falling into that, right? We become what? Unclean, right? We start doing what the world does. See, and the Lord's desire is for us to remain holy. You know, we are all to do what Joseph did, right? You know, you know Joseph from the Bible? Remember what happened when there was this woman that that wanted Joseph? He was young and handsome. And, and you know what he did is, you know, as he's inside the house and he's 
cleaning the house or, you know, he was a servant there of Potiphar. And, and she sees him and she tells all his servants, go outside. All her servants are her husband's servants. I want you guys to go out. And in her mind, she's, I, you know what, she's that vulture. She's, I'm going to get this guy. And so she's half naked and telling him, you know what, Joseph, take me. I want to be yours. And you know what he does? He runs. He flees. See, this is the way we are to be around these places that tempt us. We're not even supposed to be there. And if you catch yourself in a situation like that, you want to run. And you want to run fast. And you know what the reasoning behind his running was? Because he didn't want to sin against his God. Do we have that mentality? Does that even cross our mind when we're in a sinful situation? See, God desires that he should be, that he would be on the forefront of our minds. That we would gird up our loins and be sober and heavenly minded. And know that, you know what, that we don't want to fall into sin. That's not what we want to do. We want to be clean and we want to be used by the master. Be holy for he is holy. Let's keep reading. In verse 26 it says, The carcass of any animal which divides the foot but is not cloven hoof or does not chew the cud is unclean to you. Everyone who touches it shall be unclean. And whatever goes on its paws among all kinds of animals that go on all fours, those are unclean to you. Whoever touches any such carcass shall be unclean until evening. This includes dogs and cats. You know what? The other day I was driving on a freeway and I saw it and I couldn't sway away from it and I ran over it. And how many times do we have all these dead animals that we walk over or, or step on and you know what, for them, you know what, if they did any of this, they were unclean. And as we keep reading in verse 29, it says, These also shall be unclean to you among the creepy things that creep on the earth, the mole, the mouse, and the large lizard after its kind, the gecko, the monitor lizard, and the sand reptile, the sand lizard, and the chameleon. These are unclean to you among all that creep. Whoever touches them when they are dead shall be unclean until evening. You know, reptiles and rodents, they're very dirty animals, aren't they? You know, we aren't to touch them. You know, especially when they're dead, right? Mice and rats, rodents, they carry lots of what? Disease, right? And they also, yes, fleas too. And when you look at the reptiles, what do they have? Salmonella. Turtles and... And, uh, and, 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 and all these geckos and lizards and all of that stuff. I remember my son, he had a turtle. And I told him, don't get the turtle. But he was so young and he looking at, my, and looking at me and saying, Dad, please, I want the turtle. What am I to say? Okay, get the turtle. But man, they are dirty. And you know what? And, and they, you know, they just, I mean, they're dirty animals and they have so much salmonella. And if you get some of this, you could get fever, diarrhea, vomiting. And some people die from salmonella if it's not controlled.
But you know, for, the, for health reasons, you know, he's telling them, don't touch these things. But also a reminder of being clean. Remember, the message is what? To be clean. See, and this is what these things bring. They contaminate you. And the Lord doesn't want us to be contaminated by anything. As we keep reading in verse 32, it says there, Anything on which any of them falls when they are dead shall be, shall be unclean, whether, whether it is any item of wood or clothing or skin or sack, whatever item it is in which any work is done, it must be put in water. And it shall be unclean until evening. Then it shall be clean. It goes on to say, any earthen vessel into which any of them falls, you shall break, and whatever is in it shall be unclean. In such a vessel, any edible food upon which water falls becomes unclean, and any drink that may be drunk from it becomes unclean. And, any, and everything on which a part of any such carcass falls shall be unclean, whether it is an oven or a cooking stove, it shall be broken down, for they are unclean and shall be unclean to you. Nevertheless, a spring or cistern in which there is plenty of water shall be clean, but whatever touches any such carcass becomes unclean. And if a part of any such carcass falls on any planting seed which is to be sown, it remains clean. But if water is put on the seed, and if a part of any such carcass falls on it, it becomes unclean to you. See, it goes on to say, And if any animal which you may, which you may eat dies, he, he who touches its carcass shall be unclean until evening. He who eats of its carcass shall wash his clothes and be unclean until evening. He also carries its carcass, shall wash his clothes, and be unclean until evening. So as we see there, anything that touches these dead animals, you got to wash them or destroy them. Because see, the Lord knew, you know, the, you know they don't have these, you know, these, what do you call them? The uh, antibacterial cleansers and all that stuff. None of that was available at the time. So what would they have to do? They just either have to destroy it. Or, or get them out. And so that's what they would do. You know, if anything that is dead falls on it, you know what, you smash it, you, 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 you get rid of it. But again, the message is clear. You become unclean. And then in verse 41, he says, And every creeping thing that creeps on the earth shall be an abomination. It shall not be eaten. Whatever crawls on its belly, whatever goes on all fours, or whatever has many feet among all creeping things that creep on the earth, these you shall not eat for they are an abomination. You shall not make yourselves abominable with any creeping thing that creeps, nor shall you make yourselves unclean with them, lest you be defiled by them. Defiled, making you dirty, making you unclean. Snakes, creepy things, centipedes, all that stuff. Don't eat them. Don't touch them. They're unclean. And let's keep reading in verse 44. It says, For I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore consecrate yourselves, and you shall be holy. For I am holy. Neither shall you defile yourselves with any creeping thing that creeps on the earth. You know, I love this. As the Lord says, you know what? I am the Lord your God. You are to separate yourselves. You are to dedicate yourselves to me. This is what the Lord is saying. If you do this, if you consecrate yourself, right? That's what that means. Separating, setting yourself apart, dedicating yourself to me. You are holy. Because I am. See, we become holy not in anything that you do. See, many people are trying to be holy and to be good by their good works. 
by the things that they do. But did you know that Jesus, the Lord is saying that you become holy by association. When you surrender yourself to the Lord, you become accepted in the beloved. When God sees you, He sees the righteousness of Christ that is in you. You've been clothed with a righteous robe, with a clean turban. See, these are the body parts that God puts on us. See, when God sees you, it's not by any good works that you have done. It is by association. You become holy for He is holy. See, and this is what's so amazing because, see, throughout my life, I always tried to do good things, right? I always thought, you know what? If I do this, then I'm going to be accepted by God. And none of that matters. Did you know that in Isaiah, it tells us that your righteousnesses, Anything that you believe to be good, anything that you do that is good, is as filthy rags to the Lord. In other words, the Word of God tells us that we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All are sinners. All fall short. That includes you. That includes me. And there's nothing that can cleanse us. There's nothing that can make us accepted in the Beloved. Nothing that we do can give us entry into heaven. But the only way that you can become clean, the only way that you become holy and righteous is through Jesus Christ. When you place your faith in Him, that is what cleanses you. That is how we become accepted before God. God no longer sees us as sinners. When we ask God for forgiveness of our sins, He casts them as far as, uh, as the east is from the west. He throws them into the ocean. And as I shared with you, there's no fishing sign there. No one can bring them up. God forgets them. See, only by faith can this happen. See, for us, I'm going to read some scriptures and I'm going to finish with this. In Colossians chapter 1, in verse 21, it says, And you who were once, who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by the wicked works, yet now he has reconciled. In other words, you, because of your evil thoughts, your evil mind, your evil works, you were separated from God. You were alienated. You were actually His enemy. But now, He says, He has reconciled you in the body of His flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in His sight. In other words, He paid the penalty for your sins. All of your sins that you did when you were a little boy or little girl all the way to your adulthood. All the way to the time before you pass on. He has paid the price for them. He has paid the penalty. He has made you blameless and holy when you accept them into your heart. And you accept the work of the cross in your life. It goes on to say in Ephesians. Chapter 2, verse 4, it says, But God, who is rich in mercy because of His great love, with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. We were dead in trespasses, and because of His mercy, because of His grace, we are sitting together with Christ. We are, he, he is sitting with us today because He's outside of time. Can you believe that? It's an amazing concept for us to comprehend. 
As I keep reading in, verse, in, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, it says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. They're blinded. They're alienated from God. They're walking in wickedness, and in, they're the walking dead. It says, who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness, to, walk, to, work all uncleanly, to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard Him and have been taught by Him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you may put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Everything that we've been talking about, your conduct, to put it on. To put on the new man. To nail that old man to the cross. Don't bring him to life again by the things that you used to do. We don't have to do those things anymore. And many people say, but I can't. You're right, you can't. But the Spirit of God that is in you gives you the power not to do them. That is why he says, I send a helper because I know that you guys are weak and you can't do it. But yet I give you the spirit. When you surrender your heart to me, I impart my spirit, which is God himself, into you to give you the power to say no to sin and to overcome sin. See, for us as a people of God, why can't we walk in holiness? We have received so much from God. We got to make a choice. Our conduct has to reveal and reflect who we are in Him. See, He paid the penalty. Why shouldn't we walk now in holiness? He paid the price, death on the cross. Our sins have been nailed on the cross. He took what we deserve. He has forgiven us of our sins. You know, we've been set free from the bondage of sin. He's given us eternal life. He's given us spiritual blessings. God's favor is upon you. When you say yes to Him, and as believers, we shouldn't walk as we used to walk in the conduct that we used to do. See, as people of God, we have God's guidance, God's provision, God's protection, and God's fellowship. Let us not walk in the way of the world, the way we used to walk. You know, people will know we are Christians by our conduct. That is what the message here was for the Jews. You know what? You are clean by your conduct. Other nations aren't doing what you do. But people will know you belong to me because of the way you act, of the things that you do. And that message is for you and me. Can people tell that we're Christians? We just can't say it if you aren't acting like it. And the Lord says, you know what? Begin to act like it. Allow me to come into your hearts. See, many of us, many of us say, you know what? I want to do it. I want to do it. Then do it. Step out in faith. God meets you where you're at. He helps you. You just have to make one step of faith and He's there to help you through. See, we should desire to do this by everything that I've shared with you to walk in holiness. 
See, we owe him so much. Don't ever forget that. Let us not get sidetracked with the world and what the world offers, but let us be a people that are consecrated, that are holy, that are set apart for God. You know what? We're living in the last days. I want you to know that. Everything that you see in the world happening before us, this is all that the word has spoken about. The, war, the rumors of wars, the wars that are going on there, earthquakes, all these tragedies, these disasters. You know what? No one can solve it. Did you know that right now in Europe, the European uh, uh, Union is about to break apart? Why? Because they have no answers. They have no money. They can't stay together anymore. They're in disagreement with one another. And you know that the Antichrist is the one that's going to come and bring peace. And especially, where is the center of the world today where everything is going on? It's going on in Israel. You have Iran and all the nations around Israel that want to go in and destroy them. You know what? Before all of this happens, the Lord's going to take out His church. Don't we want to finish strong in this race? Don't we want to finish strong where we're taking up doing what God has called us to do? Or do you want to continue to live a life that the world lives? To be left behind? To be here for seven years when the world is going to see greater tragedy? It's going to see the wrath of God that comes upon it. None of us want to be here, and I pray that, that not one of us here would be left behind. But you know what? we got to make a choice. Words are cheap, like we said, but actions speak louder than words. They're clear. Let us walk now. Walk as we call ourselves as we call ourselves Christians. With that, let us close. Lord Jesus, we do want to thank you, Lord. As Lord, we know that through your word, Lord, you speak to us, Lord, even through Leviticus, Lord, about these foods that shouldn't be eaten, Lord. Lord, we know that your message was clear. You desire your people to be clean. And when they were unclean, they had to be outside of the camp. They couldn't be in the camp where you were, Lord. Because you can't dwell with things that are unclean. If anybody here wants to be cleansed by the Lord, if anyone here wants to make things right with the Lord, it's simple. It's saying yes to Jesus, believing by faith that He has died for you, that He, has, that he loves you, and He wants to save you. He doesn't want you to walk as you once walked. He wants you to live for Him and He's going to give you the power to do so. The Lord tells us that if you believe in your heart, you will be saved when you confess your sin to Him. When you allow Him to come into your heart to live and to dwell in you, you will be saved there's anyone here that wants to commit your life to the Lord amen raise your hand and we will pray for you amen anyone else
Don't let the enemy keep you from all that God has for you. The Word of God says that we are to confess our sins. And not to any person, but to Him. If there's anyone else that wants to commit your life to the Lord, that doesn't want to be left behind, that wants your sins to be forgiven, that wants to live with God throughout eternity, raise your hand and we will pray for you. Anyone else before we close? Don't let the enemy keep you from receiving all that God has for you. All the spiritual blessings. Anyone else before we close? Anyone else before we close? Lord Jesus, we just want to thank you, Lord, for these two that raised their hand, Lord, to recommit their lives to you, Lord. Lord, we know that they've been bathed, Lord, and all you're doing is washing their feet, Lord. Lord, thank you, Lord, for these two, Lord. Thank you for them as they continue, Lord, to desire to be pleasing to you, Lord. And by your spirit, may you give them the power, Lord, which I know that you will, Lord. May they yield to you and not to their flesh, Lord. We love you, we praise you, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Let us stand for this last song.